0: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret Blue podcast for another short video from me and John Townley. John, how are you? I'm well, thank you, mate. Yeah, good. <laughs> Shortest intro ever because we've been doing these all day, so <laughs> I know that you're very well. You're wearing the same clothes as last week. Today's episode is all about Victoria. Now, when V-Sports, aka Nassaf Sawiris and Wes Eden's holding company that own Aston Villa, acquired Victoria. I was on paternity leave. So I saw a tweet. I thought, oh, interesting. And moved on with my life. And <laughs> don't know anything about it, really. But this video serves as a purpose for anyone else who doesn't really know what's going on. And just a bit of an explainer about what the situation is. And also, I think the title is going to be something like, <laughs> quite cheeky, we went to Victoria and found out this. Because you've been on holiday to Portugal and did a bit of digging. Just explain what it means for V Sports to acquire Vitoria. Sports is, as you say, done...
1: Suiris and Edens—that's a holding company for Villa. We know that they want to make their—they you know, want to make a global brand. They—they they want Villa to be in European football, but also benefit from other clubs in Europe. And a lot of Premier League clubs are doing this already and want to do more of it. Um, so City—the
0: example that most people will City, be familiar City, yeah,
1: Wolves are now looking at buying actually a, a, bel- a Belgian club. Um, other teams as well. But uh, Leicester have Belgian club too. But Villa have a minority stake, although it's 46%, which is you know a fair whack uh, of Victoria. Uh, they want to just say be global. They are looking at or probably Eden's project more so, um, Las Vegas Villains, and as well we know Villa have um, sort of academies in like, Egypt, Senegal. Hopefully uh, soon. There's another club that I can't f- remember, but. Yeah, they want to be sort of global players in football and sport. Though. We know they're like crazily ambitious, and um, Villa will be the main sort of benefactors of that. It's a it's a big move, a big step forward in that. Suarez so has been in discussions for or was in discussions for about two years with Victoria, and for different reasons like red tape. There's different reasons why they had different presidents, and now they have a different president who was more open to the idea of taking a V Sports as forty six percent. So that's why it took a while although they say they've been wanting to do it wanting to do it for a long time and Portugal is probably the hot spot for for talent from Europe, South America. It's very um you know the culture's sort of mix in Portugal which is uh, good for young players and that's as we will go on to that's one of the main reasons why they want to do it and there's different reasons too but yeah to have a club especially for the size of a tour as well because you have The top three in Portugal, Benfica, Sporting, Porto, no one will ever get above those three. It's just, they won't. It's Portuguese football for the last 80 years, they've built up a sort of hegemonic sort of, you know, league that they are there. No one's going to displace them, but Braga, who are Vitoria's rivals, have always been the fourth best team, or at least in recent years. But they're no bigger than Vitoria. Vitoria arguably one of the most historic clubs in in sort of uh, you know in Portugal for sure uh, they were founded a hundred years ago, which might not seem you know, too long ago, but the actual place itself was the first capital of Portugal. Um, it's a really nice place. It's a world heritage site. The actual like town and city and stuff. So it's really nice to visit. But
0: I love how this is like sightseeing with John Townley, <laughs> a, a, the tour guide of Portugal. Yeah,
1: um, but yeah. It, it, trying to sort of stress that it's we've got a stake in this club, right? But it's actually. I think it's a very good move because say, Chelsea are now trying to buy a, a team in Portugal, Newcastle are trying to do it as well, they're almost trying to follow Villa, like two years behind, and Chelsea had a bid rejected for Porto Menense, who were a much smaller club than Vitoria, for about £35 million, uh, which would have been a majority stake, 75 per cent. Villa don't have a majority stake in Vitoria, but 46 per cent is a lot, and it's going to obviously affect decision-making and stuff for that club, and an um, investment too. But yeah, I think it's a really good move for Villa to get a club that is one of the biggest clubs in Portugal um, and that allows that club to be more powerful in negotiations, talent, uh, recruitment, whatever it may be. And
0: yeah, um, I'm very excited by it. Would there be any possibility that Suweris and Eden's involvement in Aston Villa is distracted by Vitória or Vegas or anything? Or is Villa always the, the big dog? Villa has to be the big dog. Villa's a Premier League club and
1: the Premier League is the Super League. It's... It, they want Villa to be on the top of not so the Premier League, but in European football they want to be. They want to be a Champions League club. Like there's a plan to get there. Emery's already said it, and everything is geared up for that. They are, I think, the fifth wealthiest owners in the Premier League, which you know I think the Fulham owners, the fourth at the moment, Sahid Khan, I think his name is, but. To really get to the top, you've got to have an ambition to really be there and doing what they're doing and the sort of movements that they're making. That's what's very exciting and they're not buying Vitoria, they haven't bought them, sorry, they're not getting a minority share in Vitoria to to have holidays in Portugal and, you know, it's not that. It's to benefit Villa and although fans will be asking like, oh, well, is that going to make a massive difference short term? No, probably not. But we're talking six to ten years and they're here for the long run, um, NSWE. So, yeah, that, that's why I'm excited about it. It's, it's not a short-term thing, it's a long-term you know, process to make Vittoria, or benefit Vittoria, which will benefit Villa, and so Vegas Villains, other academies, other clubs, I wouldn't be surprised, joined the uh, V-sports um, umbrella. So yeah, it's um, long-term, I think it's very exciting. And yeah, when I went there, oh, I didn't go there, by the way, just to go there on holiday, I, I went to um, Porto, which is about 40 minutes away in the coach. Um, and, Again, it's like a. They are a very, I don't say a massive club in Portugal, but apart from the top three, they are there. And that's why I'm excited about it because it's not just getting a club in Portugal, it's getting a lot of. You know, they need more infrastructure, that sort of thing, of course, and that's what NSW will help give them. Mm. But they are. They're a club that has a lot of opportunity, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And it's a very good. Um, yeah. And I I'd tell you, I think most Premier clubs would sort of snappy hands off for that sort of stake in a club like Vitoria.
0: What was it like then? So you went to Portugal on holiday. You didn't go to you didn't go to Vitoria as a journalistic research trip, but you did do a bit of journalism <laughs> while you were there to be fair. Explain to me who you spoke to, what the area was like. I mean, there's a po- always a possibility at least that it's the easy fan thing to say is that Villa have acquired a Portuguese club. Let's go there on pre-season. Now, obviously, we don't know that if that's the case this season or next or whenever, but it seems pretty likely, doesn't it? Your partnership club that you go there on pre-season. I, I'd be amazed if we didn't go to Vitoria pre-se- for pre-season. So, if that is the case, what's it like?
1: Yeah, I went to uh, Porto. My partner's Portuguese and she's a big for- uh, Porto fan, so we went for the Champions League game against, against Inter Milan. Uh, the game was really bad, but it was a cool experience. It was first Champions League game. So, anyway, we uh, I twisted her arm to go to Guimarães, which is the... Uh, I think I said they're right, Gimaraes is the uh, city, the municipality, divided into like 48 parishes. So it's like, Portugal sort of works like, it's, it's in the north basically, Gimaraes, 40 minutes north of Porto. It's closer to Braga, um, so if you're going to go on a pre-season game, you'd get a flight. I think they do them from Birmingham sometimes to Porto and then get a coach or a train about half an hour. Yeah, it's a really nice place, World Heritage site, first capital of Portugal, really pretty sort of town centre. Um, and they got like a med- it's very medieval like it's uh, cobblestones everywhere there's a big castle um say the first the first the first ki- it's just like completely out of my ear <laughs> the first king of um portugal like founded gimarae so it's very like historic and you do find that um that sort of tradition and stuff is embedded in the football club because mm. Everyone in Gimarash is very proud of where they are and who they are. The two people that I spoke to were two experts. I wanted to speak to someone in the club, but we didn't manage to get access. Um, Tiago and Bruno were two people who I spoke to. Uh, they're experts, fans of Vitoria the since they were six. And they were very proud of the fan base. They said that, you know, Benfica, Porto and Sporting, they are the three biggest clubs in Portugal. We all know that. And in other cities, you will get fans like wearing the shirts and stuff like that. I don't know. In, unfortunately, you see it in Birmingham, you get like United fans and Liverpool and even like London, elsewhere. But, you know, we're not kind of big Newcastle for or anything, but Newcastle seems to be a bit of a one-club city. Yeah. That's the feeling in Guimarães as well. So they're very proud of who they are. The city itself is very historic. It's very traditional and the club sort of plays into that. It's, there's a lot of clubs in the north of Portugal. So Guimarães have to be very, um, Sort of ahead of the game in terms of how they do things because they're obviously Portuguese football is very reliant on the fan base, you know, to, to be the club that they are, so they clearly do that very well. And that's why there's also a bit of skepticism amongst the fan base, and we'll go on to it, but of this partnership because you don't want to lose your identity, which is very like traditional identity, you don't want to lose that to a Premier League club, you know, don't want to selling are. out on, I think. exactly. And that's why I'm pleased to be honest that Villa didn't. Get a majority stake because I don't want Premier League clubs to start owning like Chelsea, want to own a Portuguese club and get like 75%. I, I don't think that should be allowed myself. I think the Premier League is already too big in five years if Premier League clubs just own every club, like around mm. like what we come into. So, um, yeah, but it's a really nice place in general if you want to visit. Um, it's quite small, it's all sort of the town centre and stuff, but uh, it's close to Braga, which is a nice place, and Porto itself, obviously, the second city, it's further away from Lisbon, which is the capital of Porto. Sorry, Portugal. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's a pre-season game coming up and Villa fans will enjoy the, uh, enjoy the experience.
0: So now we're all Vitoria till we die instead of Villa till we die. <laughs> what are the benefits then? The obvious thing is you know, maybe Villa send their youngsters out to Portugal to get a different taste of football, different experiences, different cultures, Portuguese talent pool, being able to tap straight into that directly. They're my uneducated, obvious answers. Is there further benefits than that, in your opinion?
1: Those have to be the two major benefits. Um, It's worth saying from the start that this isn't a feeder club situation. It's nothing like that. We're not saying I'm I'm proud to to not be doing this and... So we're not going to be Chelsea just going. Here's thirty loan players we don't want. Send yeah. them to Vittoria. Yeah, it's like the Vitessa which is another V. <laughs> you never know in the future. Um, <laughs> Vitessa and Chelsea work like that, and it's just what if you're a Vitesse fan, you're, you're like a second Chelsea. Like it doesn't, I don't like it. Um, so yeah, the, the main supposed benefit for Villa would be players and stuff. But I think the one that you probably lose is that Villa, Villa are now in Portugal, technically. I know it's 46% of one club, but that's access to a different market, it's access to a different league, it's access to recruitment, scouting, all of that, which Vitória have been good at. You know, They're the club that brought through um, Rafinha, you know, the Barcelona player. Uh, they brought through Tap Sober as well. We, I think he's still at Bay Leverkusen, Maybe may wrong. Uh, brought him through and that's only in the last like two years. But we know that Portuguese football has made like £750 million of player sales in the last two years. It's it's mental how many players come out of there. And it's not just uh, your Luis Diaz and um, Darwin Nunes and other players like that, Enzo Fernandez. It's not just those players. It's loads of others that are, it's like 12 or up to 20 players or something that are worth like 25 million or more in the last two years. So it's a massive market and it allows Villa to say to Vittoria, OK, um, if Villa want a striker, for example, John Duran, it might have been easier for us to go through... Victoria and say, uh, you know, we're looking at this strike in South America, but he can't play for us because he doesn't have his his passport or whatever it may be. I don't know. Yeah. Just an example, mm-hmm. plays for Portugal in one year and plays well and whatever. Because it that seems to be the league where whatever player, you know, goes there that's young, it seems like Benfica have a, a never ending conveyor belt of talent. Like Darwin Nunes goes for 80 million. The next one's up, Gonzalo Ramos, he's about 80 million now. Mm-hmm. Who's the one after that, Who's going to be good. So, I mean, Benfica's streets ahead, Like they have academies everywhere in Portugal which is a problem but Villa will benefit in numerous ways we just don't know yet because ultimately if we're looking at a player that's like in six years time there might only be like 12 now so we yeah. don't know exactly but there's clear benefits uh, we can give them players there could be a funnel for them to give us players it's not going to be oh we'll just take Vittorio's best player it's not that although you know if Marcus yeah, Edwards is still happen. there you're true but it's the it's the it's the access to, to me, better yeah.
0: to me it's cutting out the middleman that you see so many times where a Brentford or a Brighton sign this player from absolutely nowhere develop them into a £60 million pound player recycle the process replace them with somebody out of nowhere and it keeps going and going and going Villa has spent fortunes on players that they handpick from somewhere like a Brighton as an example it's getting rid of that process and going via Vitoria and saying right this player in Portugal or this player in South America or whoever has come through this process we're going to nick them from there for 6 million develop them in the Premier League to 50 million rather than go to Brighton for example, and spend £40 million on a player that they've developed. It's cutting out that middle-man Exactly. Process.
1: It's just buying a top talent from South America, that's where they seem to come from, and saying, all right, well, it's not ready now. Oh, Vittori, you do you want him? Because he's clearly <laughs> going to play well for you. He plays well for them. He comes do you back, want him? <laughs> he, he comes back to Villa and all of a sudden we've got a, you know, it's like Douglas Luiz, I don't know, he comes to City, he couldn't play, oh, what are we going to do with him? We give him to Girona, comes back to City, and that's the sort of yeah. thing. Um, And to say that's what Chelsea want to do, they don't want to spend 100. Well, they they probably don't care, but they they don't want to spend 120 million on Enzo Fernandez every summer. They can do that in a different way. And for us, our academy isn't as massive as Chelsea's or other teams that we can sort of play. It's a bit more cleaner, I think. You know, we we can handpick players and South American. say, right, we'll we'll take five of these, give them some Vittorio, Maybe not, not not that many, but there's a clear. Strategy there that it will be very successful for Villa, um, and just the other thing as well, Benfica, Sporting, Porto—they will buy players out of Gimaraes that are like 13 or 14 and give them a contract. That's a massive problem for Gimaraj, uh, Vitória. Sorry, um, Benfica have like five regional talent spots, so it's not just in Lisbon. They're, they're like sort of veins sucking lifeblood out of all the smaller clubs. But Villa w- investing in Vitória can say, well, to the 13-year-old wonder kid or <laughs> whatever it may be, um, 16-year-old. You don't need to go to Benfica and be one of literally a hundred players in a uh, age group, which is what happens in Benfica. You can play well in Vitória, um, learn your trade there, and you have a pathway to the Premier League with Villa. Yeah. So, or not just Villa, but other teams, because linking the Premier League and the Portuguese league is yes, we're part of Vitória, but we're also part of a much bigger so, um, sort of network. So. There's massive benefits for Villa. It just might take a little while for, you know, fans might forget with with Victoria in yeah. two years, but then in five years, there might all of a sudden be a, you know, £60 million player that we might stumble across. So, mm.
0: honestly, that was a real education for me. If nothing but about Victoria, the location and the area and the first castle and the first capital or whatever it was, away from the football, what was the best part of Victoria? What was your favourite moment? Did you have something nice to eat there? I've got to get a nonsense questioning after all that uh, educational stuff.
1: We're in, uh, it's not just in Gimarash, actually. It's uh, in, my, in m- most of the cities in uh, in Portugal. D- in their big like shopping malls and stuff, they have like they're like two tiers, and then the third tier is always like a big food hall. And they have this one place called Sabo Galcho, and I don't know what that means, but it's <laughs> like <laughs> you get steak, like free lots of steak, or three cuts of steak, rice, chips, like salad, the whole lot for like six or seven quid. Mm. Really good. So I had that about four times when I was a uh, but then was in Gamarash as well, which I was really happy about. because um, 'cause we'd come off the bus and then it was like oh I need something to eat and it was there and that that was the best moment that says a lot about <laughs> that doesn't probably doesn't play much into the like oh great club and stuff but um now it's just a really good experience and as I say it was nice to meet two people who were um sort of you say so proud of the club and stuff because I going there I thought oh I will speak to them and they'll say, "Oh yeah, you know, it's Portuguese football and blah blah." It's not, yeah, I'm not obviously not going to say this, but I, I, don't, I think people undermine Portuguese football a little bit, and so oh, it's not one of the top five leagues, and there's only three clubs in it and stuff. But actually, it's uh, the people there are so so passionate about the clubs, and especially in Vitória, and it really does reflect the community. So. um yeah, I'm uh, yeah, proud to be associated with them, I suppose, and I think that's why Seweris was so sort of determined to get there um, after like two years of negotiations.
0: Yeah, nice. Like I said, I think that's a, a good education on, on the, the whole scenario. So, if I mean, if no one else has enjoyed it, I have at least. So thank you for that. I'm sure you'll join me in the comments by uh, by thanking John for his expertise and his trip to Victoria to find out all this information for us. Um, we've got plenty more content coming up on the Cloud and Blue podcast. So yeah, stay tuned to the show, and we'll see you again very soon.